Hello out there and welcome to Every Woman on 90.1 FM and KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Una here on this, uh, I I won't say unseasonably chilly day, but it's uh, colder than it has been uh, in a while. You can hear Fiona's joints are creaking and groaning over there with the radio. Thank you so much for that, giving away how old I'm feeling today. Oh, no, that was actually the microphone. It was uh, misbehaving. And uh, we have also behind the soundboard today, Professor Rachel Cady. Prof- uh, Rachel has a new position as a adjunct professor at UMKC. Congratulations. I do. Thank you so much. I just had my first class uh, last Friday. Well, congratulations. I'm now feeling somewhat left out because now I'm the only one in the room who isn't an adjunct professor at UMKC. I know. We're two professors here. What? Do not give me homework or detention. And that's not going to go well for either of you. <laughs> I feel like I need a sash or something. Oh, we, oh, should, we, we all should need have sashes. sashes. Yeah, yes. well, yeah. true. true. Yeah. And tiaras, although they might, we may have to affix them to our headsets. I think that would be a great accessory for a headset, actually, yes. for a headphone as a tiara accessory. We could wear the little mortarboard hats all the time on the radio. And I still have mine at home from when I graduated from my first degree. Oh, your first? Oh, I like how you dropped first degree in there casually. One. I have to do something when I'm stuck here with two professors. Yeah. You could have also dropped it. You got it at the University of uh, North Wales. Yes, University College of North Wales. What was their what was their sports team like? The Fighting Sea Cucumbers or something? <laughs> well, they did have a large marine biology program. Yes, they did. A little Miss Marine Biologist over here in the middle of a Kansas stuck fifteen hundred miles from the nearest ocean. It used to be an ocean. Well, that's true enough. True, true enough. So, yeah, we have a great show today with a guest that has been on. She hasn't been on for a while, but um, she was a uh, really popular uh, guest on our show. We had a lot of good commentary after she appeared. We have on the phone with us uh, this week Carolyn Hammond. Carolyn is the 2020 Boston Scientific Global Volunteer Award winner and has spent 30 years um, working in the uh, sales and training industry, but recently has become the, not that recently, has become the founder and CEO of Safe in Harm's Way, which was built by abuse survivors for abuse survivors. Uh, Safe in Harm's Way is an online bridge for survivors, giving a voice to the truth and connecting resources to leave perpetrators, thus thrive in the after portion of uh, the abuse. Um, Their founding pillar, as she puts it, is to be inclusive of the unique perspective needed by people of color, men, the LGBTQIA community, and abuse survivors. And she herself is a survivor of uh, domestic violence, and it helps to shape a lot of the heart that she puts into um, her program. So, Carolyn, welcome back to Every Woman. Luna, it is great to be here. And hello to Fiona. I know you can't see me, but I'm waving. And Rachel, it is nice to meet you over the phone as well. I look forward to the day when we can do this again in house and actually sit across from each other. But thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Then I shall also wave back, just to be polite. <laughs> but we're now all waving. Well done, well done. <laughs> oh, but well. Rachel's waving more like the British Queen with one of those very formal little curves <laughs> of her hand. I'm glad you said well, British. You'll be very happy to know that even though we are virtual, it's a routine. And I realized this morning as I was doing it and I was brushing my teeth and using mouthwash, I thought, well, they're not going to smell me, but I guess I should to honor the entire process, the, uh, <laughs> the whole routine for getting ready. <laughs> It's part of getting into character and these little routines that we have, these little rituals that we go through at the start of the day really help us make that bridge from day to day sometimes, I think. I agree. I agree. I know there have been moments throughout this staying home that I thought, oh, when did I get a shower last? So um, the little routines, putting those in place and having my normal rituals in the morning have kept me at least sane relatively for uh, this duration so far. 
Well, that is fantastic. So for those of our listeners who uh, don't know about Safe in Harm's Way and what you do, could you give our listeners a, an introduction? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. So Safe in Harm's Way was originated, it would have been four years this past July. And Congratulations. I had, yes. Thank you. Thank you. And it's been a long road. Um I, in March of 2016, I discovered that the man I was about to marry, four weeks away from our wedding, I discovered his very secret life, and that set about me hatching an escape plan, and that escape plan took about six months to fully implement. Um, I did a little bit of a gone girl and decided to be very strategic in how I left. And part of that process was getting very, very small. And we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as, a, as an organic way in our discussion today. But there were this, this moment of where I did not want anyone to know what had happened to me. I did not want to, um, to, to just be vulnerable and say, this has been my life. This is, this is what I knowingly allowed and what I lived with that I didn't know about. And that process of getting really, really small negatively impacted me, I would say, as badly as the eight years of abuse because I was left to feel even more isolated, even more sad, even losing my confidence even more. And after I started to write about my journey, and around about July of 2016, I decided to take tiny little steps forward um, in a way to remain both safe because he was still trying to find where I was. I had to move three times. And those tentative steps out and my writing started to have me be able to realize if I tell my story, I'm going to give somebody the freedom to tell their story. And when you can share what has happened to you with the right people and the right setting, then you start to heal. So it started to evolve from that. And now, four years out, we have, you know, five different content creators that we call our course of voices. We're starting a, we need to find a name for it, but we're starting our first generation class of high schoolers who are going to be contributing content to Safe and Harm's Way and then also sharing our content so that we can ultimately give the young people opportunities to know what healthy relationships, self-worth, and boundaries look like. And that's our preventive uh, arm of Safe and Harm's Way, hopefully prevent young people from evolving into relationships that, that are abusive and hurtful. And we have a volunteer team of about 10 people who are giving their level of expertise, whether it's addiction or financial or um, giving yourself permission, uh, putting yourself outside into the world to get rid of isolation, eating right, energy healers. Um, so we have all different people and we're looking for more. We have a few outages, but uh, those people create content to safe and harm's way. And we've been able to go international. So we have partnerships in Costa Rica, in the UK, in Canada, and in New Zealand. So in four years, we've managed to take the message that storytelling, authenticity, being confident, having patience, speaking the truth, those are our founding pillars, actually changes the world. Because when we can heal people and help them heal themselves, they go on to heal everyone in their lives just through their actions of, of being a whole person. And then we just start one person by one person changing the world. So I'm pretty proud of what we've done. Doesn't mean that there aren't hard, bad days, but I'm very proud of what we've done. And as a tiny little mention for today, the fact that I get to talk to you ladies is amazing to me because there's no reason in the world we should be connected, right? I mean, there's just not. We're, we're from different parts of the, the country. We're all, of course, living in the Kansas City metropolitan-ish area. But the fact that we're committed and, and we're connected means that the choice to be vulnerable led me to you. 
And and the fact that we get to do this today, I'm like fangirl crushing on it because um, I, I wrote about it on my on my Facebook page. We saw, it, yes. Yeah, I mean, the intelligence, the kindness, the investment in community. I feel like I got the offer from the cool chicks in the class and come hang out with me and let's talk. It just was like, it makes me so happy. And I want to honor those little synchronicities and those little miracles that have only come because the choice was made to start speaking the truth about the abuse that happened to me. And hopefully, by that example, other people can start speaking their truth and make connections that positively alter their lives as well. So thank you for today. Thank you. Thank you so much for today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being on. And while you were talking about how you ended up starting Safe in Homes Way, one thing that really resonated with me was the fact that you said you had to move three times. And that's a ridiculously expensive process. It's really, if you have to move like that multiple times to get away from the stalker and abuser, you either need to have a huge support network, giant amounts of planning and cashing money here, there and everywhere, or to absolutely not care about any chance of any credit rating and being able to rent anywhere again in the future. It's something that only people with privilege can usually do. You're exactly right. And um, for my instance, it was getting out credit cards and charging them up. It was taking money out of my retirement account. It was, uh, and this is something that that's on the to-do list of safe and harm's way and it's an ever-growing to-do list and this to-do list is a is a two-part to-do list one is if the abuser has issued abuse to the point that that kind of financial spend out is warranted i really feel as if perpetrators should be held accountable for that there, there has to be laws and legislation and again it's a to-do list that I hope to live another 53 years and become this, you know, dreadlocked, gray hair because my hair is so crazy, old lady with bright red lipstick who wears flowers in her hair, and I'll be 100 years old and still making this happen because perpetrators should be held accountable, not only for the cost of what it took to make those moves financially, for how much it set me back credit-wise, for how much um, it set me back from my retirement. Um, You made a second great point. I had friends who hid me out while I was searching and helped and let me save money to get to the next place. I had friends who let me store my vehicles in their garages, packed as a suitcase with clothes, uh, household items, so that I could hide those things from him and and also allow me enough time to save money to have a storage unit. I had an employer, and this is the second part of that to-do list that I mentioned, my employer, I was very fortunate that my employer had resources for me to use, and and I used them. And so one of the goals is to talk with companies because corporations in the U.S., only 67% of them even have any kind of mention of domestic violence in their, their benefit plan, um, in their policies, as far as even holding perpetrators who work for them accountable. So, you know, that kind of, um, of very inexpensive to implement, you just need to highlight it. Employee benefit package would be huge because not only would it show as a retention policy of, hey, we believe so strongly in the fight against domestic violence that this is what we do for our employees. And hey, by the way, because we do not tolerate domestic violence, here's what it means if you work for us and you are convicted of issuing it. And here are the policies we have in place that are already part of our benefit package that, by the way, you can utilize, whether it's time off or your your legal services plan, to assist you in your survival pathway as you leave. So that's the second arm. In fact, that, that arm just launched and uh, we're going to be doing some work around that to work with employers directly. That's you know, and if that, that kind of answers your question, Fiona, or, or 
Um, yes, it I does. Talk all day about that. Yeah, and because maybe yeah. maybe we can talk a bit more about it in a second, but unfortunately we have to interrupt you for a short station break, but we'll oh. be right back. Yeah. And welcome back to Every Woman. We're on today with Carolyn Hammond from Safe in Harm's Way. And just before the break, we were talking about needing a certain amount of privilege or a large support network to be able to move possibly multiple times to get away from an abuser and stalker. And... Carolyn had mentioned they got a program to help companies publicize their responses to domestic violence and any support items they have for that. I can say that my company, every year we have to do training about violence in the workplace. And one of the things that they mention in there and stress in that annual training is how to recognize signs that an a colleague might be suffering from domestic violence or how to notice when someone is coming to the office and being abusive. So I think that is a a good start towards the programs that you have mentioned there. And then a quick follow-up is that I have a person that I follow on Twitter and they had to have some friends of theirs do an anonymous GoFundMe to raise enough money for them to be able to leave their abuser and move to somewhere where they would be safe. So if you have people that you totally trust like that, it might be possible for something like that to be done. But it had to be done totally anonymously and through third parties because otherwise their abuser would find out that they were planning to leave. Exactly right. And that's, we know statistically that when women or men decide to leave, that first three months, um, they have almost a threefold increase of being killed by their partner. In fact, even if the abuse that your partner has issued has only been, only, I'm rolling my eyes there if you could see it, (laughs) only been emotional um, abuse or verbal abuse, the first act of violence is actually their death. I just sat in this week on a, on a case conference call with judges from Missouri, and judges talked about those instances where the first time any physical abuse had been issued was the moment they killed the person as they tried to leave. So, you know, there's also things that the state, the beauty that I, I if there's one thing I could call out today on our call, and I could use, you know, fireworks and a marching band to do it, Resources in the area, the the shelters in the area do so much outreach that you don't have to be living in a shelter in order to take advantage of those services. So helping with estate plans, helping to find new housing. There's actually even a fund in the state of Missouri that you can recoup and apply for some of those expenses that you have to reimburse yourself. So there are ways that people can seek solutions, seek safety, and find the financial means to, to negate some of what they've had to put out um, in the state of Missouri by using the uh, resources that the different you know, shelters for domestic violence actually have as part of their arsenal in the fight against domestic violence. And I think people don't realize that. When I talk to folks, they no one realizes that you don't have to be living there in order to take advantage of all the myriad of sources and resources that the shelters have. Thank you for that. I, I don't think most people know that shelters can do anything other than just shelter you. Right, right. It's, it's fact, one of the things, um, I recently sat in on a, a couple conferences with Hope House, and, um, and I have a, a great association with New House as well, and that's one of the things they hang their hat on, is not only doing the services very well for the people who can stay there, but also for the community. I mean, they'll go to you in the hospital, in the emergency department, they'll go to your work, they'll work, they are usually aligned with police forces within certain geographies, so one advocate within maybe handling three or four police jurisdictions, and they work together to get those resources for people. Folks just aren't aware that that, that that's there. So that's one of the things that I think is huge for people to know, that that locally and nationally, there are people who are willing to help with your finances and help help um, make sure you have a safe place to escape and live after. So one thing I, I was curious about that you mentioned early on in, when you were uh, telling us a little bit about how your 
you know, how your entire program has grown over the years is your international connection. And you mentioned, I believe, uh, Costa Rica and uh, Puerto Rico, I think, were two of the international locations. We have Costa Rica, um, not Puerto Rico, and working on that. We have uh, Canada, we have the UK, New Zealand, and then also, you know, we do have a tiny component that we've um, done work with in East Wapini, which is on the continent of South Africa, so or in the southern part of Africa. So we've been international in those, and that comes from the beauty of connections. And that is the choice, again, to be vulnerable. And I'm really active in what I do on LinkedIn with my passion work for Safe and Harm's Way. I'm not very active on LinkedIn in what I do in my personal uh, life, my, my regular paying job, because my passion work does not pay. Um, so I, I use LinkedIn for that. And the connections I've been able to make across the world uh, has resulted in different training opportunities and in opportunities to work and understand what their participation in violence against people, uh, domestic violence against people, what that looks like in their country. And it's fostered relationships that have led to being able to do, you know, master classes, being able to do uh, their shows and help create content for them. Costa Rica, actually, they have a fabulous, it's, it's a division of Boston Scientific, and they have a fabulous, um, community that they're building tied to their work for people who are undergoing and then trying to survive domestic violence because it is an ongoing one of the things we talk about at, at Safe and Harm's Life is the endurance it takes to survive um, you know Fiona you brought up I, I was very fortunate to be able to move and fortunate enough to be able to get credit cards uh, was, was the, the key thing of which I'm still paying off but the, the physical complications of that abuse is something I currently deal with four years out and currently have to pay off the things not covered by health insurance. Um, that's a part of it, the endurance. And I think it's important to connect those dots because you hear about somebody being abused. And I can be used. I, I want to, you know, my, my perspective, my experience is female. I realize that men can be abused as well. I tend to use the female pronouns because it's my experience. But I do have the understanding that men can also be abused. And I, I do have understand, you know, that there, there are all ways to identify and that abuse can be issued. Um, so I, I want to just qualify with my story, and that's why I use the, the female pronouns. Certainly, but that, yes. that is something, you know, I've sat across from people and, and held hands with women whose significant other slammed their face into the windshield of the car and the hospital bills were so significant they're still paying them off from having to have you know reconstructive surgery on their face but not having enough money to replace the windshield so can you imagine getting out of the hospital and having to drive to work every day with the face imprint and your blood still in the glass shards on the window and that's one example. You know, I'm dealing with consequences for my eyesight. My eyesight in my left eye has been so significantly compromised as a result of the level of, of, of abuse and association with my abuser. My doctors are worried I'll lose my sight in my left eye. That is something that while I have healed and I have found love and I have thrived and I'm getting to talk to you fabulous ladies today, I will still four and a half years out have to deal with the physical consequences of that and my story is not alone. That happens to survivors all the time, whether it's healing from the physicality of what's been done to them and um, or, or just the emotional cost of continued therapy. All of those things are the lifelong endurance that survivors have to face. And you know what? I am determined that is one of the pathways we have at Safe and Harm's Way is the endurance pathway that says, we have got you. We are here for the long haul. And what do you need? Because you are worthy of a life that is not steeped and tied to that abuse. And we will be here for you on the day that backtracks and it rears its ugly head again. And we will be here for you for the duration of your life as a network to share your story, to speak your truth, 
and to be able to heal despite what still comes up years out. And I think that's a, an element that is missing that people really need to, to be able to have. And I think it's an element that needs to be discussed because people don't talk about that lifeline, that lifelong endurance needed, even if you create a great life that still has to be navigated over the long haul. Now, we have heard off and on in the media that um, there have been, there's been a significant increase in uh, domestic violence as a result of the pandemic, uh, both as a function of the lockdowns, which are forcing victims to be in close proximity with uh, their abusers uh, locked inside the house. And also, there is the effect that they cannot go easily go out and meet other people have that interaction they tend some people are tending to be very isolated and stuck at home and have their lifelines cut off and in addition to that there is the overarching stress of the enormous levels of unemployment that resulted from the lockdowns the fear of becoming uh, COVID positive, what have you seen uh, and what would you recommend, what are some steps that you do that, that you recommend to help people in this current crisis? And I appreciate that, that question very much. Thank you. It is something that is, <laughs> the increase is amazing. You know, Newhouse just recently issued a statistic that they've seen the need for their resources increased by 30%. World Health Organization said worldwide there will be an additional, get this, 32 billion incidences of domestic violence due to the worldwide shutdown. For all the reasons you said, people are isolated, people can't leave. Factor in that people are getting scared and they need to go out and purchase a gun. And we know that, that people in abusive situations are 500 times 500 times more likely to be killed by their partner when there is a gun in the home. So now we have this, this perfect insanity of, of situations that are bringing together and putting people in very dire circumstances. The first thing I want to offer as a solution is what we talked about earlier. Those resources are still available. And in fact, I'm, I compile, I spent uh, last night and this morning compiling a list of resources that maybe we could put on your Every Woman Facebook page so that people who would have direct links to them, then uh, then that they would have some instant resources. So even if your abuser is lying to you that says nobody's working about domestic violence, there's too much, there's going to be no one that helps you, don't think you can leave, that's a lot. The people that are still out doing the resource work, whether you're at shelters, whether you are living in a shelter or you are just a member of the community. Those services are still there. You can text people um, that will allow you to have a little bit more privacy and ability to to get safe information. We do a couple different things that, that we recommend at Safe and Harm's Way. Um, we have on, we've pivoted during COVID. We will offer a very benign, inspirational, sometimes we get Sometimes we get pretty graphic because, you know, it's interesting our content, our, our content creators can get a little bit up in there angry and feels about it. And all of a sudden you'll get this rant of a, hey, here's how I'm feeling post, you know. But within those posts, what we do in the comments is we put all the resources people would need so that they don't have to search. Because the, real, the reality when you're living in that situation, especially during COVID, you can't even begin to search. You don't even know what to search for. So we put all the comments in the comments, all the different resources people can can use so that it organically comes up on their on their Facebook page um, as, as part of a feed. We encourage other people. We encourage people who have not been experiencing abuse to share our content with the hashtag because you never know. What we have discovered at Safe and Harm's Way, the feedback we get most often from people seeking our solutions are, I found you because my neighbor posted it on their feed on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. My cousin posted it. They find us because somebody else posted it. Because again, 
they either can't look because they're being watched or they can't even, it's hard to comprehend, but they can't even know what to search for. I, I can give you a, a small example of myself. You know, I, I'm, I have worked hard in my career and I'm an accomplished professional and, and I have two advanced degrees. I could not remember my name. I, I had to actually write down my name and my address because of course my address is changing, but I would on a post-it because I had so many doctor appointments and so many appointments with police officers and so many appointments with the FBI. And I remember early into it, somebody asked me my name and my address and I couldn't, I had to get my license out. That's how bad your trauma brain can't even process the most simple information. So we we talk about that in, in that write those things down in a safe place. Our second thing we suggest for folks is find someone you trust. And when I mean trust, trust with your life. And you give that person your name, your address, even if you think they know it, where you work what your supervisor's name is, what their phone number is, your abuser's name, your abuser's phone number, your abuser's family, if you, if you can you know, get their contact information, where your abuser works, the car they drive, and the license plate number. And you give that to a trusted person because when things go bad and you've set this trust person up, and we'll get into the, the, the part B of this, this guide to surviving, you have a, a plan in place with your trusted person. What So you have all this information about you, about your abuser, about your workplaces, about kids, where they go to school. Every, every tiniest little piece of vital statistic information you give to your trusted soul. We have text exchanges that we work with people. Um, I, I love music, right? So if I'm having a conversation with someone and we set up this in advance, if I send you a message about, oh my gosh, I am completely dancing today to Rick Springfield circa 1983. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm flashing back that far. I look like a geek. What do you remember about the 80s? And, and that other person replies, you know, I never liked the 80s, but I loved this song in the 90s. Then I know that the violence at home has escalated. If the person responds and says, you know what, I love the 80s, this is who I love, I would dance to this today, then I know that whatever's going on at home is status quo. Whatever it could be, it could be recipes. It could be, um, I, if I call and ask you for a, a, you know, a recipe for a dessert, that means everything is fine. If I ask you for, you know, what's your best potato salad recipe, you know that things have gone off the table and I need help. Now what that allows your trusted soul to do is immediately call the police and say, I know my friend is, danger, is in danger. We have set up these protocols. Um, here's all the information of where she's at. Here's all the information about her abuser. You don't have to worry. You don't have to, to, to shift through things. You, you have everything you can readily give to the police that would provide information about what's going on with that person. If there are any restraining orders in place, that's another thing to put down. Um, if the person has been in a jail before for abuse, that's another thing so that police can access that information. And we, we use that quite often for folks to be able to feel as if they have a sense of security. Um, and we also give out, you know, all the different across the country, there are so many um, different resources that you can text to people that they can text in response to you as well. You know, if someone reaches out to Safe and Harm's Way, we have uh, everything set up as, as immediate questions to ask based on their response, we send them the appropriate information. And that you can find in other resources that are there to help survivors of domestic violence. So that's probably our, our biggest uh, three-pronged pivot to COVID, which is putting the comments, uh, I'll read it, putting the comments on the resources in the comments of any post. Um, having your trusted soul person with all the vital statistic information given, but also the plan in place of what it means when you send a random text. Um, and you can create that yourself. And the, the third thing is to realize that if an abuser is telling you that these services aren't available, they are lying, and you can still pursue actions. And in fact, I was reading an interesting article that said, if you can't escape now, now's the time to plan your escape. Because if, if you have to shelter in place, then you you have the time 
to craft what you want your estate plan to be so you can implement it as soon as it's gone. I mean, I, I, if anyone would see the notebooks that I kept during crafting my plan of escape, um, they were significant. And, and that was a plan I chose to, to take rather than run off in, in the middle of the night. And I'm not judging anyone on how they, they implement their safety plan, but I'm saying that you can implement safety plans that you have this time now. And again, all the resources are out in the community. I'd love to provide your, your listeners and the folks that follow you on your Facebook page with these these important resources so that folks will have them readily available. Well, what is the best the way that they could get access to those? How would, uh, would it be going to your website or visiting your Facebook page? What would be the best way for people to get in touch with you and find out about these resources? Sure. That's, um, you can, Safe and Harm's Way is on Facebook. Safe and Harm's Way is on Twitter, on Instagram. We are on YouTube and we are on Spotify. So you can, you know, message us on any of those, those platforms. Our website is in development. We're doing a big brand new website. We've grown so big that we had to, we outgrew our website, but we also needed to do something very different that our old website was not allowing us to do, which is, to allow survivors to share their stories without edit or without shame because we want to be able to tell stories. Now, people can do it anonymously or people can do it as themselves, but we want them to be able to share their story because we know that, you know, having the, the confidence and patience and speaking the truth helps the person heal, but there is somebody else out there who can identify either in its entirety or in the small components of the abuse story that will help them in their story and in their process of healing. So our website should hopefully, we're hoping to launch it by um, October, which is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but it's a pretty big job and we might get there toward the end, but we still are launching launching that. But we have a, a variety of resources housed on all our platforms that people can, can link. And I can even create a post and share it on your Facebook page um, and then we can do the same thing. And within the comments, we can put all the resources, but I'll just create a nice post that says, thank you for having me on today. This is what I do, and here's how we talked about. And within the comments of all of that, we'll put a ton of resources uh, on your own Facebook page so that yes. you have a couple mm -hmm. different avenues that people can choose get their information. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, we can add the resources link on the Every Woman uh, Facebook page. Definitely. Perfect. Now, Perfect. there's so many things that you've talked about that you're doing to help the survivors in so many ways. You're, you surely can't be doing all of this just by yourself. I was wondering, too, with your international uh, inroads that you've made, there have to be some cultural and, uh, you know, ethnic differences that, uh, yep. you know, domestic violence has a common thread, but there are also very specific uh, nuances or differences on it based on religion, upon uh, culture and history, upon the way that societies are set up. So are, you can't be doing all of this by yourself, surely, right? No, I'm not. And thankfully... Uh, I can give you an example with our friends in Costa Rica. Our friends um, in Costa Rica developed this fabulous infographic of just the different ways that violence can escalate and whether that's at home or at work. And so we sat down and crafted through it, um, but it is always a process because that what we have to do is make sure that we're translating. In fact, we just had an hour-long conference call this week what we're translating and what we're giving back and forth to each other is appropriate for the cultures because they can, they just recently had this happen in Costa Rica. Vi uh, violence against women is escalating there um, to the point of just in drastic increases in the number of people killed. So you had all these men in Costa Rica who were suddenly trying to create hashtags and trying to say, I get you, and they were saying, I will protect you. I am here to protect you. And that is a very kind thing to step up and say. What women needed is, I don't need your protection. I need you to help stop the violence against women. As men, I need you to step up and tell other men not to issue it. I don't need to be protected. I need it to stop. 
And so that was a big call out to us that we needed to work with that. So that is a huge part of it. It's a back and forth with each community, each country, so that we can make it applicable to what people need to know and relative, as you said, to the culture, to the dynamics, to the religion that plans it, to how folks identify it as, as their themselves, how all of those those nuances need to be brought in because it isn't just a cut and paste from one country to another to another. Um, I can give you another great example about Africa. When I was there working with Africa, with, with folks in East Watini, and my goodness, the, the rate of familial rape in that country is astronomical. And the women who have survived that, and, and boys who have survived that, and then gone on to try to create new lives is just, I get teary-eyed thinking about it because what they have to overcome every day from that level of abuse and try to be leaders is amazing. And so when talking with them and preparing for training, I sat down and I said, how do you approach all of this? What, what's my mm-hmm. main message I should take away? And they right. said, the first thing we do is we pray together. Before we start anything, we pray for our own selves. We pray for the person who abused us because we know that there's something unmanageable in their life that made them do what they did to us. And I was, I, that was a huge learning for me. And what a grace to give yourself to, to that was their culture to pray first, but it also allows that, that sadness and anger to dissipate a little bit when you're praying for the person who issued this to you. So, you know, overhauling training, overhaul how we approach things based on cultures, asking the questions, working together, um, it's vital to get done. And thankfully, people are willing to take their time with me and me with them so that we can create something that is applicable, that is going to be impactful, and something that can resonate with others throughout that particular geography or community. Does, does that answer the question? Yes, it, it's interesting that you mentioned praying as a way to um, seek strength and help with abuse. The Devi that I follow in Hinduism, Kali, is the most commonly uh, sought out uh, Hindi Devi or goddess by domestic uh, abuse uh, survivors and uh, Part of that is because of her avenging uh, spirit, so to speak. Usually people are not asking for healing. They're asking for her to take vengeance. But we'll talk a little bit more with that. We have our second station break here for just one minute. And then Carolyn will be right back to find out a little more and remind our listeners how they can get in touch with you. And welcome back to Every Woman. Uh, we are talking to our special guest, Carolyn Hammond. Um, Carolyn, I have a question. Um, early on when you were talking you spoke about the endurance um, path and um, what struck me was that was something I had never really thought of it's it's like I, I always think of um, victims of abuse um, getting out of that situation and then you know things are better but in fact that's in a lot of ways that's like the beginning and I was curious um, what sort of resources you have for folks who are on that path you know what we have is we have, um, we believe in eating right. What you use to choose to fuel your body does help in your healing process, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. So we have people who are strictly focused on creating great options for diet that can be created on a budget because we also know that you made a perfect point. That's just the beginning, right? So maybe the survivor needs to hold two jobs now and the person who's cooking at home is their 10, 11, 12-year-old child. So we actually are crafting recipes that are easy for children to use, that are healthy, and they are used by um, going shopping at Aldi's, going shopping in the food section of a Dollar General, going shopping in the food section of a Family Dollar, and crafting the healthiest recipes we can from those areas. So on a budget, people have healthy food to fuel. We have an addiction person um, who is going to be starting within the next two weeks to focus on what addiction needs to be overcome because we know that sometimes, well, most often, addiction and, and domestic violence can go hand in hand. We also offer meditation and mindfulness because we know that when you can 
re-channel your brain and actually start to build neurons and pathways in your brain that allow for it to heal, that your ability to endure and your ability to replace the voice in your head. We are big about replacing the voice in your head because the voice in your head that you've been living so long is your abuser telling you you're not worthy, you're, no one's going to love you, um, you're, you're bringing this all on yourself. And you create that when you leave, too, because survivors are thinking, how did I ever expose my children to this? How did I ever allow it to get this bad? Why did I stay so long? You have to replace those voices, that voice in your head, with a, with a, a loving voice that says, keep going. And we use mindfulness and meditation to do that as well. We have a Reiki healer and an energy healer who will do um, energy healing work with people so that they can start to you know, recalibrate themselves that way. And then we have what we need have, um, and we currently have openings for, is someone who has knowledge within the courtroom activity to help those people who still have to navigate the court system with their abuser so that we can provide them those resources. And we have a financial person who's starting as well. Uh, Fiona pointed it out perfectly. People go far into debt. Uh, some people don't even have the resources to do it. So we have a PhD um, finance person who's going to be helping with that as well. So that's all part of what we call our move moments of healing. How do you move from being a uh, living with an abuse to a survivor? And we, we capture all those elements to, to give those to people for their endurance. Because you're going to need to pull from those different resources depending on what is triggering you four to five to six years down the road. And we want people to know that finding good relationships again, finding love again, establishing yourself, working with your children are all beautiful and can be done, but only when you factor in food and you factor in meditation and you factor in movement and you factor in, you know, all of it can be done. Um, and we're gonna give you those resources enable you to do it whether you're in the pathway of of just currently having left or you're in the pathway that you're four years out and you still have to deal with the consequences of it um we have all of those in place for folks to heal does that make sense absolutely i, I love the holistic approach that you've taken to, taken to this well, thank you. I appreciate it. I want to make sure I'm answering your questions. It's hard not being able to see you and, and see it now. I know. I want to make sure I'm answering it right for you. One thing that occurred to me when you were saying about factoring in meditation and movement was do you have any specific advice for anyone who has any disabilities or physical handicaps or even uh, any? one who's non-neurotypical, who may have additional challenges in getting out of a bad situation. You know what, that's a good call out for us. I'll have to do some homework because currently, I'll have to, I'll have to look through, I, I have to be honest, Anna, it doesn't come to mind instantly that we've had any um, adjustable information for folks who could be handicapped in some way. So I'm writing it down now. You've given me homework for the weekend. Um, because I'm sure we can, and I can reboot immediately with with our folks who provide the meditation and the. Um, I know our our yogi that we have, and she provides monthly meditations, and she provides um, monthly mindfulness calendars. You know, those can be done at, at any time. But as far as movement, um, we're going to need to work on movement modifications. Well, that's awesome, especially given how we were bantering at the start and I said that I was the only non-professor in the room and I'm the one that set the homework. <laughs> <laughs> you win. I'm sending oh, you the Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> Should have read the syllabus. Yeah, you guys got flowers. I'm, I'm sorry. Fiona's going to get a crown and a, and a sash. That was, that was homework for me. Thank you. Awesome. I win. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have that much time left, so I would really like you to uh, go over again how people can reach out to Safer Tom's Way and particularly any safer ways that they might be able to do that and protect themselves while re reaching out to you for resources. Sure, sure. Um, we were found, Safer Tom's Way is found on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, on YouTube, Spotify, and all our comments and our resources are within the direct messages you can send. 
Um, we do have, we always include, hey, if you think you're being watched, here's how you need to eliminate it. And Fiona, you are on my, my to-do list and have been there since the first time we met because I would love for us someday virtually and as your time around because I know that you and, and Una are just crazy busy, but I think what you bring to the table in technology um, would enhance my education and my ability to, to bring some technical um, insight into to folks. But on our website and on most websites, and, and I'll have these links to share for you on your Facebook pages, you can immediately exit out of your browser and it will erase what you were looking at. So it's, it's always it's in the top right-hand corner. It's usually a different color than the rest of the website. And you click on it, and it brings down everything that you are um, that you have been looking at. So that allows you a safe way to eliminate what you saw. And those are the, the ways that we can be contacted on that. I'd like to call out, I, I'm watching our time, um, our, biggest, our biggest website we use to find services in the area is domesticshelter.org, and I'll send that to you. We were in the process of creating this big mana thing that you could plug in zip codes, and it would give you every resource in your zip code that was available. And then we discovered domesticshelters.org does it in the most beautiful way. That's creating ours, and now we just partner with them. We're a partner with them. We work with them. They are highlight. They will be highlighted greatly on our website. But to be able to seek the resources locally, you can click on domesticshelters.org, plop in your, your zip code, and it will bring up every single resource in your area you can use. And remember, you do not have to live at a shelter in order to take advantage of their services. So perfect, you have at your fingertips a, a immediate um, uh, resource to be able to utilize to seek sources authentically and quietly. Oh, that's good. Uh, anonymously. Thank you. Yes, and yeah. thank you so much And thinking of technology solutions. Most web browsers these days have an incognito browsing option. So if you're going to look for resources and concerned at all, please consider using the incognito browsing option so it won't track it and leave any traces at all of what you're looking at. But thank Great you so much out. for being with us today, Caroline. Yes, thank you, Caroline. It's lovely to talk to you again. Um, you too. I just appreciate you, Fiona, Una, and Rachel. Nice to meet you, and I look forward to our continued association. Thank you so much for investing your time with me today, and, and let me hang out at the cool chick table. I appreciate it. Thank you. Us too. And I think you your presence helped make it the cool chick's table. <laughs>